0: Thank you. That stays, that goes. How long have you worked for me? No, I'm kidding. I don't use it, so I don't I know, care. I know. Yeah. Ooh. He's rubbing it in. Good morning, Saints. Good morning. Yesterday was awesome. How many of you were here, right? It was great. We had uh, miserable heat. And I... I can I... Con- I'm going to... Conf- is my job going to be on the line if I confess? Don't lie to me. No, no. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be awful. It's going to be a thousand degrees. We're all going to die," you know. And and uh, you know, I grew, I uh, pastored first in Tucson, Arizona. I was complaining about this earlier to somebody. We were actually praising God for what air conditioning. Anybody thankful that you were born in the generation of air conditioning? I was recently down in the south and uh, visited one of the plantations and I cannot imagine how people, of course, a lot of people didn't survive because of sickness and everything else. And when I pastored in Tucson, Arizona, believe it or not, we were so poor, I did not have air conditioning, even in my car when I had to do a wedding in a suit and tie. And you're driving, yes. Yeah, so, all you people complaining about first world problems today, no more complaining, right? We got it made. Amen? Amen? Anyway, we had so much fun yesterday. It was a great success. Thank you for everyone who made it happen. And um, it was just awesome to see the body work. Really, right? Linda, great job. Her team, Linda was the ringleader right there. And um, so much f- just so much fun. We had a great time. Made some good connections with people, reaching out to our food pantry and others who accidentally showed up. Like, is this the right party? No, but you can stay. I couldn't talk them into it, but anyway, uh, really kind of fun. So, thank you for everybody who made it happen. And I do want to recommend, unless you have a lunch appointment with President Trump or Nancy Pelosi today, I, look, I'm equal, you know, equal opportunity. Um, Change your plans and stay. We have so much food. Take some home. Eat some with us, okay? We had a great time of fellowship. And not only that, when the day was over, and and we, it was a first for me. Jody and I were the first people on the property yesterday. Well, my wife was with... (laughs) Okay, once again... This is why I married her. I mean, I need her so badly. Okay, so anyway, we were the first ones on the property. That's a first for us. <laughs> and, and stayed quite a while, and it was a blast. And we had times of fellowship and Q&As and all kinds of spiritual interaction. It was really a riot. So if you've never done anything like that before, jump in somewhere along the line or find a place, and I'm going to talk about body life next week. Uh, not today. Um, So there's impromptu lunch. Uh, The announcements are done, I think. We took the offering. I'm making sure I'm on task. You know, I have ADD. Yesterday was awesome. A couple of things I need to mention. One is our mission team to Kenya. We're meeting after. Anybody here that wants to say anything? Yeah, we're meeting after for a few minutes. While they're making lunch for us, we get to meet. Isn't that great? And uh, welcome back. We missed you last time. Yeah. Anybody want to say anything? I'm putting you on the spot. I mean, somebody has their heart pounding. Next week, you're going to share uh, uh, our new elder, Corey, as always. I was going to compliment you, but that just went right out the window. All right. So, anyway, our mission team will be meeting afterward, okay? So, please join us. In two weeks, the beginning of August, my friend uh, Gary Ingram is going to be here with his wife Melissa. For those of you who don't know, Gary was rescued out of the homosexual lifestyle years ago, was on my staff, has a ministry to people with uh, sexual confusion, what have you, uh, listening to compassion and clarity from the scripture working together is where the church needs to be. And whether you like it or not, it's the future mission field that we're dealing with. It's part of the world we're in. So I'm commending to you for your own future as a church to take in the training. Friday night will be leadership only. All day, well, Saturday from nine in the morning till one o'clock, we will have open sessions in here for everyone in the afternoon, he and Melissa will be available for appointments for those who want to dialogue. How do you handle a certain situation or whatever your question might be? And, um, and then Sunday he'll be sharing the word, okay? So I wanted you to know that. I think it's, um, it's critical mass for our generation. It really is. How do we walk as Christians with people who struggle in these ways that we never used to talk about? But these days, everything's up for grabs and everything's on TV and everything's everywhere. <laughs> And uh, we ought to have answers, because you know what? Little insight. If the church isn't going to tell the truth about it, who is? Nobody else is. They're not going to tell the truth. Anybody with me here? How many of you want? Okay, can he shut up now? What's the date? August uh, second, third, and fourth, right, or something like that. Whatever the first three Sundays are of. It's in the bulletin, by the way. Did you get a bulletin? It's right there. Okay, I had a terrible, terrible assignment given to me. Um, Larry, when when we were leaving, said he was praying for us. He said, uh, I'm going to pray that you come back changed and then you change us. Mm. Wow. Well, the good news is I did come back changed. I think some of our people maybe had some impact as well. I'm hoping so. I haven't talked to a lot of people yet. I did visit Shirley in the hospital yesterday, and she mentioned what her wheels were going around about, which was very encouraging. So, God answered the first part of the prayer, the second part is on you. Can't help you there. God can answer prayer and help us, but it's up to us what we want to do. And uh, one of my elders said to me, whatever this uh, encouragement, excitement is that you have, please don't lose it. Well, that is a hard prayer to pray, because what happens People have been to Uganda here in this congregation, we come back, I was talking with someone who had been, right? And we talk about it, we come back and we slide right back, we think of the incredible poverty that we saw, and then we're back complaining about our issues, whatever it is. Where is the transformation that happens, that needs to happen? Well. Today I want to talk about Faith Factor, and I want to look at a passage of Scripture. If you take the, the Bible in front of you or your own Bible, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, and in the Bible in front of you, it's on page 387. If you're new at this, you can find it quickly, page 387. Great story in the Scripture. And I think it speaks life to me, especially. And... Um, I've wanted not to lose the impetus of what we experience and what I experience, but it's kind of hard unless you're intentional about it. So one of the things I didn't want to do, I mentioned this last week when we shared a little bit, that I didn't want to have everybody come up and unload all of the things they're feeling, and then a month from now, it's all forgotten, right? And some of the things that should stimulate our spiritual life are are all gone now, and we forget about it, and so I don't want to do that. And I also want to be able to share what what I bring from the Word in little installments that might be helpful, okay? So that's what I'm trying to do today. And the first thing has to do with this idea. Um, you know, there's Fear Factor TV show. By the way, I don't recommend any of that junk. I mean, I, I saw four seconds of it when people actually watch this stuff, but apparently people... Hope I didn't offend anybody. Come and talk to me and I'll pray over you. Okay. So it's like, that's my favorite show. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, 2 Kings chapter 6. For those of you who are visiting, um, the pastor in this church has a strange sense of humor, so uh, you should know that right away. All right. Chapter 6 of 2 Kings, down in verse 8. Now, the king of Aram was warring against Israel. And he counseled with his servants, saying, "...in such and such a place shall be my camp." The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, "...beware that you do not pass this place, for the Arameans are coming down there." The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice." For those of you who are coming into the story more new, maybe you've read through the Daily Bible one time and some of the history of Israel is unclear, let me just give you this quick survey. One, Israel had numerous times in the years following their exodus out of Egypt and taking over the Promised Land, sinned against the Lord, and one of the results was that the kingdom got split, and ten tribes were living in what is called the Northern Kingdom, which is Its capital was Samaria. That's who we're talking about here. And then Jerusalem was the other half. And even those who were away from Jerusalem and had gotten a little further off track than the rest of the Jews, God's compassion was manifested for them. He was trying always to bring them back. And it was the way the Lord worked with his people back then to allow oppressors to aggravate them. In other words, people to raid their territory and give them a hard time because they were supposed to be living in security and wealth and everything else, the obvious blessing of God, which lasted for a while under King David and King Solomon. But once the kingdom got split, there were these constant hassles. And in this story, it's the Arameans who are raiding the Israeli territory. Verse 10, the king of Israel sent, he sent messengers. Let's see if what the prophet told us is true. And sure enough, they see, well, what do you know? They are camping there. And if we travel through here, we're going to get attacked and get beaten up. Verse 11, now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing. You can just see this, right? It's like White House down or something. You know, they're having this conversation. What's going on? He called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? Who's, rat, who's the mole? Who's telling stories here? Who's got the big flapping? Loose lips sink ships. Don't you know that one? that has been around. One of his servants said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> Aren't you glad that God hasn't given your pastor that gift? Of his I heard what you said last night. Interestingly, I do hear a lot of it. Never mind. Anyway, so he said, go and see where he is that I might send and take. We're going we're to deal with this prophet, this big mouth. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he's in Dothan. He sent chariots and horses and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now, when the attendant, interesting word, the young man, the retainer, of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? It's a great story, isn't it? Elijah, this is Elisha, by the way. His servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. We actually sang a song this morning, If God is for us. The question is not whether God's for us, the question is whether we're for God. That's really the question. That's where we kind of mess up the equation a little bit. But well, he's for us and he's able. So those who are for us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw, and behold, a mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. That is, the enemy came down now. He prays to the Lord and says, now, you open this guy's eyes. I'm asking you to strike these people with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Does anybody know what else happened? Now, we think this is the cool part of the story. This is not the coolest part of the story to me. But Elisha says, oh, you're in the wrong place. You're looking for Elisha. You need to follow me. And these people, they, I don't know what they were thinking. All of a sudden, they can't see. Anybody sitting here go, that didn't really happen. Oh, yeah, it did. They follow him. He takes them right into the capital, into Samaria. <laughs> the king of Israel is looking at this. He goes, do I kill them all now? And Elisha says, no, they're your captives. Put a meal in front of them and send them home. And from that day on, they stopped raiding Israel. Wow. It's a cool ending, right? That's not the funnest part of this story. That's not what I want to park on. Let's pray together. Lord, teach us concerning what you call us to, to believe you. The factor of faith that makes all the difference in our lives. I pray, God, that the eyes of our hearts might be opened, maybe a little bit. Help us in the name of Jesus. I have no power in myself Somebody said it this morning in worship. We're unable, left to ourselves. We need the help of your spirit. But Lord, that is no excuse for the fact that at times we just refuse to believe you. Break us out of it, we pray. In the great name of Jesus, we're asking for help today as a congregation, God. In these days, as complicated, complex, and weird, and confused as they are, There is an army invisible around us, chariots and warriors of fire that we can't see with our physical eyes, but Lord, we need help to see them spiritually. Help us now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Holy Spirit, assist me. Amen. An awesome story, but I want to talk about one weak character who to me is the focus. God actually puts some <laughs> emphasis and focus on a loser. Anybody see Sandlot? An L7, you know, a loser. Who, does anybody know who the attendant of Elisha is? His name is revealed. Did you know that? Not in this passage. If you go back one chapter, you will find an amazing story about Naaman, the leper, from an enemy army who comes to the prophet Elisha to get cured of his leprosy. Anybody remember that? And Elisha's servant is Gehazi. Exactly, Gehazi. And when the miracle happens, you can read that on your own. Not now, I'm talking right now, but later. You can go back and read it. When the miracle happens, and Naaman, who's a, it's really funny how gracious God is, he's actually crotchety, you know, he goes to see Elisha. Elijah won't even go to the door. He sends Gehazi out. Tell him to go wash in the in the Jordan River. Dip seven times, and he'll be healed. The guy says, what kind of religious leader is that? I thought for sure he'd come out, wave his hand, and do some religious, you know, mumbo-jumbo. That's what people like, you know, they like religious, you know, do, a little, do a little prayer, you know, put a little pastoral fairy dust on me here and help me be better, you know. It's like, uh-uh, what, what's the matter with him? So he gets mad and he storms away and his servants come up to him and say, you know, if he had asked you to do something really hard, wouldn't you do it? And he calmed down, he goes, yeah, I guess you got a point. He goes and dips himself in the Jordan River, gets miraculously healed of his leprosy. Then he comes back. This time, Elisha does come to the door. And they have a dialogue, it's awesome. And Naaman wants to leave him a huge pile of money and and a bunch of beautiful garments and all of this. And Elisha... I believe it was a Holy Spirit moment. There's no question about it. He says, nope, you keep it all. You go back. And he says, well, I'm not going to worship those false gods where I live anymore. I want to take some dirt from Israel so that I can kneel down on Israeli dirt and worship the true God who just healed me. Isn't that cool? And, And Elijah doesn't say, well, let me give you some theological teaching here. No, he says, go in peace. I believe Naaman got converted. He knew the God of Israel and he left. But here's the dark side of the story. Gehazi sees this happen. The guy's leaving with all that money and he goes, my master just let this guy off. Man, he missed an Man, we need to be good stewards, don't we? I better do something about this. I think Elisha just made a bad call. You know that dumb pastor? He doesn't know what he's doing. So let me help him out so he runs after Naaman and he goes oh excuse me excuse me you know I know my master sent you off and didn't ask for anything but we just had a couple of prophets come visit two new pastors you know they're, they're seminary students they're all poor they never have anything can I have a little here he piles all this money on Naaman and some clothing and Naaman come, uh, not Naaman Gehazi Gehazi comes back and hides it and then he comes into the house and Elisha says where were you You know, it's just like kids coming home, right? (laughs) Where, Where were you tonight? Yikes! Gehazi says, I didn't go anywhere. Elisha says, wasn't my heart with you? Wasn't my heart with you when you went and took that money? Now, Naaman's leprosy will never leave you. This is the man as best as we know that is in the city of Dothan when they're surrounded and says alas my master what are we going to do I think he was struggling with a little unbelief can anybody see why I'd be preaching on this this morning because I believe unbelief is one of our besetting issues when God isn't real we need to take everything into our own hands. We need to fix it all ourselves. Guess what? You're going to have a losing proposition doing that. This is the attendant. Elijah had Elisha. Elisha received the spirit of Elijah. Double. And now has this powerful ministry as a prophet. And his follower is Gehazi. His young man. His retainer. His aid, if you want to use it. That word. He blows it with Naaman. He manifests his un- How was... How was Gehazi manifesting unbelief? Class? There's a class. How was he manifesting unbelief? I can think of several ways. He just wasn't that they would be one, that he wouldn't be protected. That was one. That's in this story for sure. How about with Naaman? Sorry, what? Took things into his own hands. Why? Because God can't take care of us, can he? He's not going to provide for me. I better make sure... God needs, oh boy, I see that all the time, how much help God needs. Are we having fun yet? You get what I'm saying? I can also manifest one other thing. He didn't trust the word of God and the prophet. Big mistake. Rampant in the American church. There are some people you shouldn't listen to. Duh. If you want a list, I'll give it to you later. No, I'm kidding, I'm just... There are some you shouldn't. Always check things by the word. But if if anybody should have been trusted by now, it would have been Elisha. Amen? Shouldn't have been. Later, this same Gehazi must have had something change in his spirit because he's fearlessly witnessing to the prophet's ministry to a king who can't make up his mind whether he's going to serve God or not. He's telling him stories. He's telling him about the Shunammite woman who's Child was raised, resuscitated from the dead by Elisha. He's witnessing to this king, and you know, talking to the wrong king could cost you your life, depending. <laughs> Ma'am. Yeah. Was he be of they were talking outside. He wasn't in his presence. They were outside. It's two more chapters. Not now. Later. You can. <laughs> so, good question. So, I may have to review some things eventually, but for now, during the summertime, I want to speak some life to us. Here, Elisha says, open this man's eyes. And that is what we need. For God to open our eyes to his ability. I mentioned that... um, While I've been, uh, before I went to Kenya, we had been on vacation, had this amazing, uh, reconnecting with people who've taken what they've been taught and multiplied it. And it was an injection of encouragement and faith on my behalf that the spirit, there's more happening unseen sometimes than we're aware. That God is at work. He got, uh, God is stirring, and he's trying to develop us as disciples. And sometimes we get it right, and we score, and stuff starts to bear fruit, which is what it ought to be. I may have to talk about uh, my own, if you will, uh, unbelief, because that's what happens. You know, the more you, you're saturated in it, the more it gets absorbed into your skin. And so I found myself like losing sight of some of that, and the Spirit quickened me again and gave me a couple of huge injections of spiritual adrenaline. And that was while I was on vacation, and then when I again, it was kind of like facing yesterday the heat's going to kill us, are we going to survive this? And it ended up being a blessing. The day ended up being a blessing, it really did. It was the same thing. What's going to happen when we go to Africa? I don't know what's going to happen. Are we going to be okay? And um, and it ended up being a blessing, and ended up injecting more spiritual adrenaline into my spirit. And my wife has an expression. She left me already. She said she was tired. I don't blame her. You know who your friends are. There they are. All righty. She uses the word convergence that sometimes there's a convergence of different streams of things that come together at the same time. Sometimes it can be negative. Sometimes it can be chaos. Um, My wife, it's it's a fascinating thing. She stays in touch with all of our kids and like one kid will contact us and all of a sudden all the texts start coming in at the same time. It's like all at once. Now we have five kids. So think about that. It's a convergence. All of a sudden the energy goes out and everybody knows, time to text. And it converges. So there's been some convergences going on, I think, with harmony. I think God has been striving with us and trying to speak into some of our lives, maybe about where we're at. So if I can use this story as a, as a witness, if you will, that this guy who had failed, this guy who really is not a main player in the Scripture, anybody ever feel like, well, I'm not really a main player. Anybody ever feel like that? Yeah, you're all looking up here and going, yeah, well, you know you're not a man. Yeah, I feel the same way at times. Yeah? Those of us who think, oh, I know that I'm a key player, I'm not talking to you, okay? (laughs) Because, first of all, you're deceived. But second of all, we're all there somewhere along the line, right? I mean, there there is a wrong way of thinking about my importance. God doesn't need me. Doesn't need me. Doesn't need you didn't need Billy Graham. Did you know that? Did you know that he didn't need Billy Graham? Did you all know that? I'm having a hard time getting you to agree with me on this. (laughs) He chose to use him, right? And Billy was available and so he used him. That's the privilege we have. What's your question there, Steve? Ooh, there's tons of stuff. Yes. His question, repeat the question. Are there things in the scripture that help us let go of stuff? Like letting go of bitterness or anger or fill it in. Lust, greed, yeah, whatever. Yes. There's lots of teaching to help us with that, right? Which is why the importance of the word of God, right? So, Now, what what I think you might be tapping into when you ask a question like that is, does that make us non-essential? In other words, if I've got weaknesses, if I've blown it, let's say, in the past... Anybody blown it in the past? (laughs) Okay, now we're honest. All right, so, yeah. I surely have. We all have, somewhere along the line, right? And we think, oh, I'm really not that much that important in terms of the... You know, I'm, 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 I'm flying under the radar. Some people fly under the radar on purpose. Can I just be blunt? Some of you guys and gals are flying under the radar on purpose. Because if you come out from under the radar, God might ask you to do something. And that might interfere with your personal kingdom. In fact, let me just tell you the truth. It will interfere with your personal kingdom, but you'll be a lot happier and a lot better to live with after. Right? When we hold on to our own kingdom, usually it manifests in some way. My point about this, though, is Gehazi is this person with a failure one chapter earlier. And you think, well, he's not an important player. Everybody knows Elisha's name. Not too many people knew Gehazi's name. One elder knew. And maybe a few others did. You didn't say it. But nobody knows who they are. What has that got to do with it? And look what happens. In the middle of this, the miracle happens to who? Gehazi first. His eyes are open. Do you think your life would change if all of a sudden God gave you... You know, now my ADD just kicked in. You know, the the, um, the, the Mormon church teaches that Uh, Joseph Smith discovered these special spectacles that when he put on, enabled him to interpret the holy plates that gave us the Book of Mormon. Did you know that? Read it. It's all true. That's what they built. Wouldn't it be something, though, if there were such things that when you put them on... I'm sorry. Okay, it was worth the price of admission just to get that today. Yeah. Read up on the cults. Kingdom of the Cults, Walter Martin, 1968, something like that. Anyway, it's out there. If you could put on spiritual glasses and all of a sudden see the unseen world, do you think you'd be changed? I see the angels of God with their drawn swords ready to defend us. I see the ugly critters that came in on the backs of a few people into church. Do You know what I'm talking about? What? Might like what you, you might not like what you see. But I'll guarantee you, it would change your perspective, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, there's the point. All of a sudden, he sees, oh my goodness, did I have a small view of God. What are we going to do? Keep your shirt on. Get a load of this. <laughs> the story changes. tight. So here's my notes for today. I've got three open fill-ins, faith factor. I'm just going to be straightforward and simple and glean some stuff that came out of our faith experience, if you will, of walking with the saints over in Africa. First things first. Number one, first things first. You remember when I was preaching in the book of Hebrews? I changed my mind. No, I didn't. I'm just putting it on hold till fall. But I want to bring one scripture to to the forefront that's the very next chapter we would be up to, and we'll pick it up when we get back to it in the fall. Chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, here it is. Therefore, let us fear less while a promise remains of entering his rest. Any one of you should seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. In fact, I think it was James who says anything that's not of faith is sin. Can you imagine? United with faith. I heard the word, but it didn't do me any good. You'll remember, we talked about this. The community that came out of bondage, they were not all saved people. Are you all with me? church communities, spiritual communities of adhere or agree to a certain amount of things as true but not necessarily with real faith uniting it to their soul that it's alive. I thought it was interesting. Sam Tromler was one of the convergences. I was talking about you. You had left. And uh, about convergence. I thought it was fascinating because it's been weighing on me. It's been weighing on me as I've been trying to get into my soul the prayer of the curé d'Ars. It's in the beginning of a book on spiritual formation. The curé d'Ars was a French curate who prayed for his congregation this way, Lord, grant the conversion of my parish. I'm willing to endure anything, but grant the conversion of my parish. Sam Tromler came, and when he's preached, I was so encouraged because of his simple faith in the Word of God. His simple faith that this book will change your life. The people who are struggling with self-image and and uh, you know suicidal thoughts or whatever happen, if you will start believing and absorbing this, it will change your life. He actually believes that. He must be crazy. And one of the things he said is, I'm afraid too many of our extended families have believed a false gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, ask Jesus into your heart as your personal savior. It doesn't say that. It does say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. If you confess Jesus is Lord... You shall be saved. True faith starts the transformation. I don't care how fast or slow. I don't care about disciples dragging their feet or making mistakes or having some things weak in their life as long as there's a process happening that shows that they're born from above, which is what it's about. They had the gospel preached to them, but it didn't do them any good because it was words up here, but nothing here. No engagement in the Spirit. If you're listening to me today and you haven't settled first things first, that's what you need to do. You need to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. That simply means he's the boss. I got that. Others have gotten that, right? I was going that way. I missed it. I'm turning around. Whatever you say, Jesus. That's really what it means to say that Jesus is the boss. When Jesus gave his commission to his disciples, what did he say? Build big churches. Have pews. No. (laughs) He didn't say any of that. What did he say? Go and make disciples disciples of all nations. There's more to it. Teaching them. What does it mean to observe? To obey. Teaching them to obey. So when a person says, oh, yeah, I believe in God, the demons believe in God. And tremble, the Bible says. But they don't have faith. They're not going to heaven. They're not part of the kingdom forever family. Those who choose to follow. Jesus said to his disciples all the time follow me. Follow me. There's got to be following. We miss out on the blessing. God has promised us rest. I believe that's eternal life. The the promised land was a picture of eternity, but there's also a promised rest in the here and now for the disciple. Did you know that? He who has rested in God ceases from their labors. Anybody still trying to earn their way into heaven? Do enough good deeds? You know? Anyway, I'm just encouraging us. I believe... We, 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 including myself, come from several generations of cheap grace, of empty, praying a prayer, believing in magic, thinking we're secured because of that. Let me encourage you. Can I look inside and say, this is what God has changed, is changing? These are the sins. Not just, I stopped swearing and smoking 20 years ago. That's good. But what about what you mentioned? What about the bitterness? What about the anger, right? What about re- secret rebellion? No, nobody in this room has any of Secret rebellion. Okay. Follow me, Jesus said. Can I just say we're playing with eternity for the sake of God? Think about it. Think about it. Number two. Ask his spirit to quicken you. Opened eyes. Ask For opened eyes, like Gehazi. Lord, open his eyes. All of a sudden, he gets a dose of reality that is life-changing. The next time we read about him, he's witnessing to the king of Israel. He's witnessing to the king of Israel. It's cool, isn't it? Anybody ever feel like Gehazi? (laughs) Gehazi. Yeah, I screwed up. I mean, I know there's probably some people sitting in this room right now that there's some blot on your historical record that makes you think, I'm out. No sense in even trying. I see a couple of heads shaking. Not this way, this way. You know what? That's the liar talking to you. If Gehazi could be in... I mean, he had leprosy, for crying out loud. We don't know if God dealt with that later. We don't know anything. All I know is the man was changed. God turned him into a witness. He can do that for us. Don't listen to the enemy. If God is for us and you're for him, then who can be against you? There is power. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Feed on his truth. His word builds up our inner man and our inner faith. I knew some of the things I heard when I was down with my friend Tina in North Carolina. She had multiplied her own ministry. She's discipling dozens and dozens of women. The name of her ministry, by the way, we were talking yesterday about this, was uh, Raising Your Children on Your Knees. How do you like that? Yeah? Pretty cool, right? Raising your children. And I'm like, I can't... Who are you, woman? That's what I was wondering. Like, what happened to you? We're just doing everything you taught us. I'm like, whoa. God is doing more than I realize. Why have I been simmering in a pot full of unbelief? So I went to Nairobi Chapel and we hear some of the things that they're doing and and uh, let, let me just say, it's like, I knew some of this. What happened? Duh. Right? Just like us, right? That's what happens. Am I right or wrong? All right. Does anybody think I'm mad at you? Oh, good. Okay. It's like, he's scaring us. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Derek, can we come see you this week? Pastor Hocko really scared us. <laughs> Listen. I told you that we were at uh, Nairobi Chapel for the celebration passing things on uh, from the Wilsons to to their auspices if you will and the the reality of how God is able I want to show you a verse that I I love the line at the end of this verse in Romans Abraham is our father in the eyes of God, right? He was the father of faith. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as Righteousness. righteousness in whom he put his faith and who is he talking about now? God, in God, he put his faith, God brings the dead to life and calls into existence what does not yet exist. Is that a statement? He calls into existence what does not yet exist. They had an ordination ceremony for Bishop uh, Oscar Moriu. hope I said that right. They printed up this little thing from Nairobi Chapel. I was looking on the back. This church was started somewhere back in the 50s, I think. It was uh, an expatriate church. It was all foreigners. And as it started to decay, like most churches do, left to themselves, the motivation of faith and to trust God with some new leadership came about. And now... I'm just, I'm just holding this back page up. These are all their daughter churches, 77 daughter churches. Wow. These are their granddaughter churches, another 14 or something like that. And then churches planted in partnership with others, including in the United States, the United Kingdom, uh, in Africa and other places. It's another list, the whole length of the... Wow. Awesome. God calls into being that which is not... They're planning on 44 more schools. they got three so far. I told you a little bit about that last weekend. They're believing God. And I'm thinking, I think our faith and our view of God is a little bit too small. Anybody want to agree with that? Remember we had the, uh, I, I, I got it all sweaty yesterday working, but Pray for one. Hashtag pray. For, remember that? Hashtag pray. Are we still praying? Anybody else uh, dribbled the ball a little or dropped the ball a little? I have. I have. Maybe God's saying, it's time to look to the fields that are white unto harvest. I was up front with him, with this other pastor, and he was downloading very quickly, and here's what he said. And Listen, we know this. It says it in the Bible. We know what it says, right? The problem is... We're not mixing what we know that it says with belief because it wasn't mixed with unbelief. It didn't, with, with belief, it didn't do them any good because it wasn't mixed with faith, the Hebrews text says. I wrote about a whole bunch of things just sitting up there getting my little seminary class in 20 minutes and feeling quite overwhelmed. Um, here's what he said, and we know this. The harvest is plentiful. Did Jesus say that or not? The harvest is plentiful. Here's, here was the sh- here's where the shock came. I get that. The harvest is plentiful. Here was the shock. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is the laborers. Solve the laborer problem. Jesus said, the harvest is great. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send what? laborers into his harvest. That's all in the news now, right? With all the farming issues and all that. You need laborers to go into the harvest. The problem is not with the harvest. It's ripe. And I got to believe, even in hard America, there's ripe people. Our brother Gary's going to be talking about some of them soon. Pray for the Lord of the harvest. So I'm listening to all this and I'm going, I knew that. Duh! Could have had a V8. I needed an injection, a little bit of an injection. When we went over to Africa, my daughter who works for a, a, a shoe place, they, they have cast offs that they can't do anything with, but they can donate them. And so she knew I was going where people will not waste anything. And so she sent some shoes with me and we loaded them in some of those suitcases and got them over there. Why did it matter? It mattered because she wanted to give to something. But also she knew her dad was going there and she wanted to make her dad happy, you know, that he was doing this. She, she wanted to please, uh, you know, that that process I was in of going overseas. It mattered to me. So it mattered to her. The harvest matters to God. Is He our Father? Does it matter to us? I'm going to save the rest for next time. Really. You want the last answer? Obey the next thing. If God's speaking to you today about the lack of faith... Or the fact that I'm not praying well, or I'm not hearing from God, or whatever, then ask Him to open your eyes. Ask Him to show you something you can put your hands on. Sir. You're going to come up. Well, here's the deal you got like 25 seconds. How much do you need? You knew you were going to get it anyway, didn't you? You knew you, knew you were going to get up here. Um, Go ahead. I can, I can oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Hello. Hello. Um, this is Eli, the Pied Piper of Kenya. That's me. Um,
1: this is going to be different. Um, so I'd like to start off with an apology. Weird thing. Um... For a very long time, I've been a part of this church, but you might have not seen me. Um, And my excuse, um, I was very bitter. I was very bitter towards this church for a very long time. Um, And and part of my excuse for that bitterness um, was the age gap. I wasn't okay with going to church with people who were far older than I was. Hey. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, hey. And I want to apologize for that. Because that is a very wrong excuse to have. Um, I, I was bitter towards people being who they are. And I, I pray upon everyone that you never apologize for who you are. Because it is who you are. Um, <laughs> something, something I learned in Kenya... Kenyans, by the way, super joyful people, um, is, is they, they always see, they always have a goal. Like Kenyans don't do things just because they, they want to. Um, they, they always have a very, very large vision for, for an end goal. Um, and and what, whatever that process is, doesn't matter, but as long as they get there, they don't care about time or money or people or happiness. They'll, they'll sacrifice so, so, so much. Um, just to get um, where that goal might be. And and it doesn't have to be a godly goal. Um, I noticed with the Nairobi Chapel, they had a goal of having 300 churches planted in Kenya by, what, what, 2050? Something like that. Um, (laughs) um, And and even with small things, so we we actually got the chance to do ministry um, for the local pastor. His name was Pastor Joseph. um, At at the school, and, and we, got to, we got to build him a house, or help build him a house, um, out of very, very weird Mason work. Um, but the, the, the four or five guys who were there didn't understand any English, um, and the, there was a very big language barrier, um, but they understood what needed to be done, and so did we. And it didn't really ca- they didn't really care how we did it, um, and we didn't really care how they did it. Um, and, and all we would do is provide provide stuff for them to get to their goal, and that's what they appreciated. Um, and and I've, I've seen a, a similarity um, in language barriers and age barriers um, between, I'm 17, and a lot of you are not 17. Um, that's true. And I speak English, and a lot of people in Africa do not. Um, and, and I just, I, I hope, I, 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 I hope... That we together as a church can, can make a goal and see a goal. And even though we're not all the same age, color, um, like, <laughs> I don't know. If, if we all have different ideas and we all have different ways to do things. Um, and, and, and I pray that, that that doesn't change our end goal. Um, and that we don't try to force things on people that don't need to be forced to get to that goal. And just let, let people be people. Um, and let people have joy in all that stuff and don't let um, dumb things like age and language and very small things. I'm sorry, they're not dumb. They're just very small. Um, Don't let small things get in the way of big things. Um, Yeah, that's what I learned. So I hope you guys will forgive me for that um, for so long being bitter, but hopefully I'm not bitter anymore. Amen. (laughs)
0: Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to jump off of what Eli said and their goal. If there's a goal that we should have been dealing with and we haven't won this battle yet, When I came here, we had the ministry mapping report that outward focus was our weakest point. We're seeing progress. Yesterday was another example of that. We just need to fan that flame and get it outward, right? Start praying for one and then two and then three and whoever it might be that God brings into the kingdom. We need new birth. We need new life because the harvest is plentiful. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is the laborer force. That's some of us, right? fact, should be all of us. I'm going to close with a Paths to Power by A.W. Tozer. I had the last fill-in was obey the next thing. If the Spirit speaks to you in some way, obey it. And tonight, today when I close, before we go have food and I believe we'll have a good time and our mission team meets and all of that, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask God to open your eyes because I'm going to tell you, I'm standing. You know, remember the song, It's Me, O oh Me, It's Me, Oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer? Anybody remember that one? That's how I feel. I need the Spirit to keep that unbelief away and keep the believing God quickened. Anybody know what I mean? He talks about it in Paths to Power, this nice little thing, the fruits of obedience. To obey in the New Testament means to give earnest attention to the word, to submit to its authority and carry out its instructions. I'm just going to read a short bit of it, not the whole thing. Bear with me for the extra minute. I think it'll be worth it. And I'm reading it unapologetically because it speaks kind of rough to some of our culture, to be honest. The weakness of our message today... The Bible knows nothing of salvation apart from obedience. The weakness of our message today is our overemphasis on faith with a corresponding underemphasis on obedience. This has been carried so far that believe has been made to double for obey in the minds of millions of religious people. I was watching one of our famous. TV preachers yesterday who frankly in my opinion I love him, I've learned from him I bless him, but he ought to stop and there is a cluster of people taking in and I know in their mind the deception has gotten grip that I'm serving God because I'm listening but I'm not going to do anything about anything that he's talking about. It's a deception that's not serving God, that's feeding To believe has been made to double for obey in the minds of millions of people. A host of mental Christians have been produced whose characters are malformed and whose lives are out of proportion. Imagination has been mistaken for faith and been made to do service for obedience. Non-obedience has paralyzed their normal legs and dissolved their backbone so they slump down in a spongy heap of religious theory believing everything ardently but obeying nothing at all. Tozer is nasty, isn't he? Indeed, they are deeply shocked at the very mention of the word obey. To them, it smacks of heresy and self-righteousness. What does it all add up to? Here's what he says. Of this we can be certain, and I believe this, God is waiting in all readiness to send down floods of blessing upon us as soon as we begin to obey his plain instructions. We need no new doctrine, no new movement, no key, no imported evangelist or expensive course to show us the way. It is before us as clear as a four-lane highway. To any inquirer, I would say, just do the next thing you know you ought to do to carry out the will of the Lord. Obey the next thing. That's all. Not 12 things, one thing. If there's sin in your life, quit it. Put away lying, gossiping, dishonesty, whatever your sin may be. Forsake worldly pleasures, extravagance and spending, vanity and dress, your car and your home. Get right with any person you may have wronged. Forgive everyone you may have ro- that may have wronged you. Forgive everyone who may have wronged you. Begin to use your money to help the poor and advance the cause of Christ. Take up the cross and live sacrificially. Oh, is that all? That's all. <laughs> Simple. Pray, give, attend the Lord's service, witness for Christ, not only when it's convenient, but when you know you should. Look at no cost, fear, no consequences. Study the New Testament to learn the will of God and then do that will as you see it. Start now by doing the next thing and then go on from there. Too bad he's not relevant to today. Let's stand to pray. We're going to close with a song, Be Thou My Vision, as the team comes up. I'm just inviting you to make use of this altar. I don't feel anything right now, to be perfectly blunt. I don't. But I know the Holy Spirit told me, didn't matter what anybody else thinks, if they think I'm unspiritual or a jerk or full of unbelief, it's irrelevant. The only thing that matters is what God knows is true. And that's all that matters about you, even though you think you're hiding stuff. You're not. I'm just going to go ask God to give me grace to not lose sight of his faith. You want to join me? You're welcome to. Why don't you lead us in that?